Sportsnet Today. Listen on the air, online, on the Sportsnet app, and always on your smart speaker. Sportsnet 960, The Fan, Calgary. Hour number three, Sportsnet Today, rolling on here. Patrick Dumas, Aaron Vickers, along with you. Uh, we are down at Adrenaline Source for Sports, 9309, McLeod Trail Southwest. It is uh, Bauer Vapor's 25th birthday. They're celebrating Hype Fest uh, with the unveiling of the uh, Hyperlight 2 Stick and Skate. Uh, prizes and giveaways all weekend long down here at Adrenaline. Uh, they're open till 8. Come down, say hi. Uh, a lot of crew here to help you out. They're all wearing their white T-shirts. The vapor. Can we can we plug the t shirts? I want to plug the Hyperlight plug 2 it, skate it. yeah, because it. it's built for pro level and pro aspiring players looking for maximum quickness and unrivaled agility. And guess what? I don't have none of that. I don't have maximum <laughs> quickness. I do not have unrivaled agility. So in theory, I can cheat a little bit. Yeah. Uh, if they have rockets on them, perfect. Let's, let's go. Let's crank it up here. Uh, yeah, come down to check out the state uh, the stick. Try it out in their stick room. Try it out their skates. We got a lot of the guys here helping out. Again, open till 8 o'clock. It's Hype Fest this weekend. Prizes and giveaways all weekend long. Welcome back to Sportsnet Today. Uh, we got a guest. We're joined uh, in studio. It's not really in studio. In store uh, by uh, Hockey Night in Punjabi and uh, Canucks. Uh, all things Canucks on Sportsnet. Randy Janda. Thank you, Randy, for joining us. How are we doing? It's awesome to be here. It's uh, I'm not going to lie, outside of hockey season, it's <laughs> rare that I have a chance to come to Alberta. So, you know, usually, yep. you know how hockey season is. Business trippy. You're mm-hmm. kind of in the city, and then you're out immediately. So I'm in town for uh, a wedding. Uh, I know actually... Uh, you know, so actually pretty close to this store. Yeah. And so it's it's good to, to meet you guys. I know, Patrick, we haven't met before. Yeah. Aaron, we met a couple years ago at the draft. So it's nice to be here. Yeah, I've, I've texted you a few times That's right. for a guest. But, yeah, it's uh, great to meet in person. Uh, but, yeah, like, let's get to it. I mean, uh, the Vancouver Canucks are uh, an interesting team. I think uh, there's there's obviously an appetite to, for them out here still as well at being a division rival. And there's obviously a, a chunk of the fan base uh, here in the city. But uh, this is an interesting team that uh, obviously getting Rick Tockett in there at the end of last year, the, the noise surrounding Bruce Boudreaux and his exits. Uh, what's the what's the feel out in, in Vancouver? Are they panicking? Is it just like is it just like this is what it is now? Like yeah. well, what are, what are they feeling out there? Vancouver's an interesting town, like a lot of the Canadian <laughs> hockey markets, where you know it's a lot of passion in yeah. the city. And I think this year, compared to last year, last year the Boudreaux bump, you know, they're on a hundred eleven point pace mm. for the second half of the season. If that continued over eighty two games, there's a lot of I guess, hype and buzz heading into last year, and we know what happened. It was an absolute failure when it comes to the on-ice product. This year, it's kind of like in the middle, mm-hmm. where there's some people saying, and I look at this team, and I think generally the acquisitions of Bluger, of Ian Cole, of Carson Soucy, who's a big part of that back end now, it's been pretty optimistic. It's been pretty positive. There's not some huge buys like they've maybe had in the past with Oliver Ekman Larson and Connor Garland. It's just around the edges they made some really key acquisitions that this team needed so i think generally the fan base is happy that they did not spend big and really they couldn't spend big because of the cap issues Mm -hmm. but in terms of expectation uh you look at the pacific division even though you might have have picked up players that are a better fit for your roster than previous years Mm -hmm. that pacific division guys you know look up and down that division especially in the top three with vegas edmonton you're obviously going to have you know uh just a, a solid you know I would say 
a group of three or four. LA's up there now with Pierre Luc Dubois. Mm-hmm. Uh, more in that discussion probably with Vegas and Edmonton. Uh, Vancouver. Seattle's a team. Uh, Seattle, yeah, and, and they might not be done yet, right? Yeah. As long as Eric right. Carlson's not dealt, <laughs> exactly. they're definitely in that conversation. Yeah. So I think with Vancouver right now, it's like, are you good enough? Mm-hmm. Can you compete with really any of those teams to make the playoffs and that's why i think it's a bit of a mixed reaction in that market to say hey yeah like the moves Mm -hmm. but what does it mean let me go back to last season just because why not and you mentioned the boudreaux bump and the 111 point pace why didn't that continue into the season what went wrong on the ice for the vancouver canucks that they weren't able to continue that momentum over i think the big question here was really two things one was that boudreaux bump thatcher demko was playing near Vesna level or a top five goalie in the NHL and when you have that type of goaltending and then he comes out the following year not being fully healthy you could see he was off right off the beginning of the year and it was health related that you know that powered them to the Boudreaux bump where if you looked at you know the underlying numbers they're being outplayed but their goalie was one of the best goalies in the league mm-hmm. you don't have that you don't have much structure that's a problem, and that's really what the the problem was with the, the Canucks. They didn't have issues with Boudreaux scoring goals. They're putting up points. You look at Bo Horvat and what he was doing before he got traded, career year. You looked at, you know, JT Miller. He eventually turned his game around. Elias Pettersson, Quinn Hughes was getting his points. But when it came to defensive structure, during the Boudreaux bump, you had a goalie that saved you. And then when he wasn't there, when he wasn't 100% healthy, you didn't have that structure, and those, you know, those high-quality chances turned into – double or triple chances there's a bunch of rebounds they're soft to play in and around the net and that's really what hurt them so it doesn't necessarily always come back to goaltending but i think the thatcher demko elite level play really was a huge factor in that boudreaux bump and guys if you start looking at the structure that they had in the second half of this season when talk took over uh you look at the rush chances that they're giving up you look at the high danger chances it drops significantly but when we go back to the Boudreaux experience, it was that lack of structure. And that was a buzzword in Vancouver where Jim Rutherford, even though the Boudreaux bump had happened, he was at the end of his post-game, or sorry, postseason press conference a couple of years ago was was highlighting, yeah, we can't play like that. Mm-hmm. Remember, they had yeah. a great pace to end off the year, but the president of hockey operations mm-hmm. kind of knew that where that was coming from. Uh, JT Miller is a player that was obviously uh, there was a little bit of hype around the trade deadline. Okay, maybe he could be on the move. There was a thing last year with uh, like who are we going to extend? Is it going to be Horvat? Is it going to be JT? They pick JT. Now, is it kind of the noise settled down around the JT Miller? Is he kind of like settled in? It's like okay, I'm going to be here for a while. I'm going to be a part, and I want to be a part of this group as we you know start our way back up you want to think yeah there are two things you mentioned the extension that yeah. was the first thing but yeah. i believe once they traded for philip Hronik, yeah any thoughts of a rebuild or a retool on the fly or whatever you want to call it anything mm-hmm. uh, that was thrown out the window yeah. you don't deal that draft pick to pick up a defenseman who's you know in his prime right now mm-hmm. because you want to take a step back so the jt miller discussions they were always interesting and it, you know the amount of money that bo horvat got paid in yeah. long island hey credit to Bo he got his money it's a it's a heck of a deal yeah but the Canucks did prioritize JT Miller before Bo Horvat and yeah I think the question is still out there on JT of can he be a long-term center Mm -hmm. Uh, that's that's the big question you know you have your franchise center Elias Patterson but when it comes to JT Miller he's a guy that's going to get his points he's a player that when he's going he is a strong strong power forward in the league but positionally where is he playing because at the end of last year he was actually a pretty good two-way center. Yeah. But if you look at his entirety of his career, 
he hasn't been a center right. or he hasn't been one you can heavily rely on. So, guys, I think JT Miller is in Vancouver to stay. That no-trade clause kicked in. Uh, he's, he's in Vancouver. Uh, it's a, just a matter of where is he playing. Is he leading one of your top two lines as a center, or is he going to be your, your scoring winger? And I think the belief here now is, and Rick Tockett's mentioned this, that he's going to be a center. And, you know, as they say, right, this is what the money comes to responsibility, and now he's going he's gonna to have to do the heavy lifting. Were they right to prioritize Miller over Horvat in your eyes? I think when you look at Bo Horvat and the game that he plays, he was going to be a really good 2C on a, a probably a good team. Mm. He got paid 1C money. Yep. And his agent had said, hey, the, my guy is a 1C. Credit to Lou Lamarillo. He, he, he bucked up the money and he basically said, yeah, you are a 1C. For that money, I think JT is going to give you more points. JT is going to give you more. He's got a higher ceiling offensively. Yeah. And overall, if you're asking me which contract would I rather have, I'd still want JTs at this point in time because I think that Bo Horvat yeah. one, Bo Horvat is more of a 200-foot uh, foot player, but he's not necessarily that guy that's going to give you those you know, those numbers. And he's going to give you goals. He'll give you 30, maybe 35 goals. But overall, I think you're going to get more out of JT. And I don't mind the decision now knowing the prices associated with both players. There was a thought, guys, in Vancouver that Bo Horvat would get like Ryan Nugent Hopkins money. And on that term, and on that type of annual average, there's a hope that, hey, you lock and go first. But if the, the dollar number was mm-hmm. much higher, yeah. mm-hmm. uh, I think in the end they probably made the decision, the right decision, based on the offensive ceiling that JT Miller has. Why the wait on an Elias Pettersson extension? Why? Yes. Like, it's uh, July 1st. He was eligible. This guy is the real deal. He is the future of Vancouver Canuck hockey. Why hasn't he been signed up long-term yet? Yeah, I think if – the organization had their way they would probably get it done mm. asap but as you guys know with the sebastian aho deal that came yes. through yeah it makes uh, complicates everything and it complicates but it simplifies things from elias Pettersson's camp because yeah. they're saying you see that guy he's a good player yeah but our guy scores more points yeah and if i'm looking at that contract and i am you know elias Pettersson's agent i'm saying yeah that one and add a little bit maybe yeah. let's make it a, a, a 10 yeah. a 10 to start and those are something like i you know, we were having discussions in Vancouver what that number could look like. Mm-hmm. And the total value would be probably, you're looking at, in the high 80s. Mm-hmm. And, or thereabouts just below that even, right? And it's kind of trending towards that where Canadian market, you're going to generally, as we've seen, guys, you pay a little bit more sometimes, right? Yeah. There's a there's a literal Canadian tax, and then there's one <laughs> that's a figure. Yeah. But they get paid in U.S. dollars. <laughs> but the, doesn't matter. It no. doesn't, right? But on top of that, you look at those numbers, yeah. and... A player like Elias Pettersson does have mm-hmm. does have he's been putting up numbers as well. So I, I think if you're the agent and if you're looking over the the salary cap may be going, and the revenue is getting a little bit mm-hmm. uh, going up a little bit over the next little bit, you're probably saying, hey, I'm sure the team would like to get it done, but we're okay to wait because last year I think he really took, his game took a step. He was a reliable player. He was a player that has now turned into a leader for this team. Yep. And if you're the agent. Sure, you want that guaranteed, you want that security, mm-hmm. uh, but at the same time, if you believe in your skill, you could probably push it down a little bit more and say, all right, you know what, we have confidence in our guy to, to maybe even command a little bit more. Yeah, I was going to ask you, and you kind of touched on it there, but is Pedersen in his camp the type to roll the dice a little? He had 102 points in 80 games last year. He had 39 goals. We know what the cap's going to do in a year's time. Mm-hmm. See a guy that can wait till. December, January, put up 1.2 points per game beyond that 40, 45 goal pace, and then go, all right, I did it last year. I've shown through half of the season this year. I'm going to do it again. 
pay me. Who knows what the mentality is within the negotiation, right? I can't speak to that, but in terms of the way that Elias Pettersson is wired, he's a guy that really believes in himself, and not in an arrogant way, mm-hmm. but one of the reasons that he is seen as a leader on that team is because him and Quinn Hughes, for that matter, they look to raise the standard every single year. So when you're talking about doing better, and I wouldn't say look at look, the 102 points is great, but as a defensive player, he took a step this year. He's a much better 200-foot player than he was a couple of years ago than he was even the year before. So I think when you start looking at the ability to command a little bit more money, you know, the stats and the, the points are one thing, but the ability to, you know, kill penalties the last year and a bit, that he added a wrinkle to his game. He's taking more shutdown um, opportunities and, and taking those matchups head on. And that's part of the reason that they could have moved off of Bo Horvat is mm-hmm. to say, hey, Pedersen can be that guy for us. The soft matchups might go to JT Miller, but, you know, Pedersen will be the guy that's going to go head-to-head maybe against a, a, a Kopitar or a McDavid down the road that whether you win or lose them, that's not, you know, that's obviously you hope to win them, mm-hmm. but is he a guy that can, can you know, at the very least go 50-50 on that? And so can you wait on it? For sure you can, based on the fact that I think you can show a little bit more, not only the, the, the raw numbers, but are you in a position now, especially with Patrice Bergeron now, uh, you know, retiring, there's going to be some some younger guys that are trying to elevate themselves in that two-way game, mm-hmm. and I think Elise Pedersen is a part of that group. He's got to be making north of $80 million on that contract, right? You mentioned Aho is a comparable, and Pedersen's been more productive, and Aho just landed 9.75 per on an eight-year. Yep. So eight years at $10 million is 80. I'm pretty good at math in that sense mm-hmm. when it's straight multiplication off solid numbers, but he's got to be looking north of 80. Now. If you're looking to lock in, and especially lock in your prime years, you're going to be looking at this is just me mm-hmm. thinking out loud. It, I think you'd have to be looking at 86 to 88 mm-hmm. total, right? And if he has an unbelievable year and they wait till the end of the season, maybe that number even shoots up more with with some revenue discussions and, and where the NHL's revenue is going. But I think 80 is a lock for me, no question. But it's just a matter of is it, you know, with the Ahu contract, it to me all but guarantees it's a 10. Mm-hmm. Canadian market, and you have those numbers that you're talking about, Aaron. So I, I look at that and say, yeah, it's, it's got to be an it's got to be an eight in front of that for sure. It's just a matter of are you hitting the mid eighties? Quinn Hughes, uh, he's a guy obviously scored seventy one points this past year, got some Norris votes. Is a guy that he, I don't know if he wants you leaving more maybe in the defensive side of things, but maybe what more can Quinn Hughes do to take more steps as becoming more of a, a rounded defensive guy? Because we know he can put up the offensive numbers, but maybe just becoming more of that elite defensive type player. Yeah, and he's taken that to heart. I think there was a you know a couple of years ago he was amongst the league worst in plus minus, mm-hmm. and I don't know if you guys remember, but Tim and friends he did a hit with Tim talking or sorry uh, Jack Hughes did, and he mentioned that his that Quinn was not happy with his plus minus that he was hearing the noise. And it was kind of a chip on his shoulder. The next year he comes back to camp. He comes back and is much better defensively. And I think with his game, he's not going to have the size. He's not that type of player. Yeah. We know what kind of – he's a brilliant skater. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's an offensive talent. Uh, but when you start looking at how he's turned to play the body a little bit, his stick checks, he's he's gotten a lot better at that. And that's something that he's not going to pull a Darius Kasparitis on anybody. He's <laughs> not gonna, there's no open ice hits coming from Quinn Hughes. But can he use his body position? Can he use his elite skating? To really, you know, defend in transition. So I think if you're talking about just being a little bit stronger in and around the net, uh, mm-hmm. he's not going to be one of those bruisers, but can he play, you know, a little bit better with that body position? But what we've seen already, we've seen some growth in that area. 
but also he uses his speed in transition to break up attacks, and he's done a really good job of that. Now, I would bet on Quinn Hughes based on the fact that him, like his brothers, uh, they're they're wired a certain way as well. And I talked about you know Pedersen with that. There's a reason that Talkit has mentioned that Quinn Hughes and Elias Pedersen are the guys that he wants to give more responsibility because they set the tone. And remember, Talkit comes from the Pittsburgh school thought, right? Mm-hmm. Sidney Crosby was leading practices. He was staying out there the longest. And it was no coincidence Rick Talkit takes control of this team. And guess what? Every week he's practicing 30 to 45 minutes longer than they need to be. <laughs> and, and that's really dictated by these young guys. So I think there's a bit of a culture change in Vancouver. Mm-hmm. And Quinn Hughes and, and Elias Pedersen are part of that. But in terms of defensive play... He, something that every time you talk to Quinn Hughes, at the end of every season, he's saying, yeah, I want to get better. Uh, people have this idea about me that I'm not a good defensive defenseman. Mm-hmm. Essentially, I'll show them. So, you know, it, it's something that he keeps in mind. And the last two years, he's been much better at it. Will uh, Ian Cole help, perhaps, to, you know, maybe pair him up with him, more of a defensive-minded player? Could he, his addition, maybe help Quinn, you know, obviously take care of offensively, but maybe, hey, can I take over a little bit defensively and just help him on that as part of the game? Yeah, if you look at his partners, the, the most successful one was a guy that you guys know yep. well, Chris Tanev. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was kind of the team dad at that point mm-hmm. as well. And the key with that is that hey, Chris Tanev, is, you can move the puck well, uh, especially in his days when he was a little younger. He could skate out of trouble. Yeah. In Vancouver, unfortunately, they had the puck in their own end <laughs> a lot, and he, he ate a lot of the forecheck. But I think if you look back at that experience with Quinn Hughes, it was a guy that could do enough with the puck, could help him out. But at that point, Quinn was a rookie. At that point, he was young in the game. He wasn't as dynamic, maybe, or disciplined as he is now. Fast forward a couple years, he's played with Luke Shen, who, you know, Luke's a a great team guy, but he's a little bit older now. He doesn't move so well. Mm -hmm. Played with Noah Juleson at times last year. Like, you know, there's Mm -hmm. been a real inconsistency on that right-hand side next to him. I think adding Cole and his experience with Victor Hedman playing about 20 to 21 minutes per game in Tampa Bay and throughout his career, mm-hmm. it's a guy that knows how to just, just do enough, like do your job. And the most important thing is break the cycle, help out defensively, you know, make that pass, make that move when you need to. Yeah. But the guy that you're on the ice with, he's going to be creating the offense. You just, you know, you keep it simple. And that's why I think this year, even though he might be playing on his offside and Ian Cole or even Carson Soucy, there's discussions about does he play next to, to Quinn Hughes, I think the key there will be that these guys are defense first. They are cycle breakers. Get the puck, give Quinn Hughes. That's your yeah. job. Much better fit than previous years where you had players, you know, maybe that were more skilled in the Canucks back end. A Nate Schmidt is a classic example. Yeah. Hey, good player. You know, he had a pretty good year in Winnipeg this year. Mm-hmm. But Vancouver could never really find the right fit for him in the lineup. Mm-hmm. You go through, you know, Oliver Ekman Larson was another one. It, I think he'll have a pretty good year in Florida this year especially at the beginning of the year, running that power play, but just never had that fit where the Canucks do have a better, at least on paper, they have a better fit. And Ian Cole is a part of that where he can just do his job mm-hmm. and get the puck to Quinn Hughes, and, you know, Quinn will do the rest. Thatcher Demko, 32 starts this season, this past season, pardon me, 61 the year before. He's only cracked north of 35 once in his career. What's the ask of him in carrying the position of goal for the Vancouver Canucks? So we talked to Ian Clark a couple of years ago, um, actually before last year, what would be the sweet spot for a Thatcher Demko in a 50 to 62 games is what he said. Okay. And here's the problem with the Vancouver Canucks the last two years. Two terrible starts to start off the season, right? And we saw what happened last year, starts to the season. The year before that as well with Travis Green, it was the same scenario. And 
I think that range has got to be around, ideally, 55 to 58 games. You want a guy that, when he's on, when he's given a chance by his defense, you know, I'm, I, I believe he's a top six goaltender in the NHL. Like, he's, mm-hmm. he's shown that he can be that guy. We've seen it in the playoffs. We saw it in the bubble. We've seen it, you know, throughout the season. But the problem is the environment in front of him has been chaotic at best. What you need from Thatcher Demko this year is probably going to be in that range. But, guys, if you don't start off the season well, if Vancouver doesn't do that, then he's got to play a lot more. Then you're trying to you're chasing the game again, mm-hmm. and that's really what's been the issue with with Thatcher the last couple of years, especially uh, the year that Travis Green was was coaching the Canucks. Was that they wanted to start other guys, they wanted to give Yaroslav Halak games, they wanted to give you know Spencer Martin uh, a game here or there, mm-hmm. but they were chasing the game so much already that you couldn't lose points. And you know it was a worst case scenario for them last year where Spencer Martin mm-hmm. was the starter, and this is a guy they were tweaking his game in practice when Thatcher Demko got injured. So you go from working on your game and working on your technique to being the everyday starter. (laughs) And and unfortunately for Spencer, he got lit up. Not really his problem, you know, not his fault, uh, but that's the reality of it. And and I think with Thatcher, you're going to have to look at that range again, probably 55 to 58. But, you know, that does beg the question of the backup. It is Spencer Martin. So if there's ever an injury this year or if there is, you know, a heavy workload, is the backup capable of getting you wins? And that's where their backup goaltending situation, they didn't want to spend there. Yep. Um, and, you know, in Calgary, you have three goalies that could probably <laughs> play <laughs> play in the NHL, whereas Vancouver, you got one guy who's amongst the best. Then after, you know, behind him, yeah. there's some questions. Uh, Randy, what's the rest of the summer looking like? Well, I'm in, you know, Calgary for a couple of reasons. I mentioned I've got some family events here, yeah. but I'm also, I got my own clothing line. Yeah, so dot, yes. dot ca. A little plug for myself there. Yeah. But uh, so we're doing a little summer road trip right now. Went through, uh, you know, interior BC, Kamloops. Uh, I was in Golden, Canmore, Calgary now. Um, so just uh, watch some hockey, get ready for the season. Watch some Carson Susie tape and uh, Ian Cole tape, among others. And, and just uh, yeah, just uh, put the the clothing brand out there. What's the origin of the clothing line? Because you're the, of the three of us, you're the sharpest dress right now. No, thank you very much. <laughs> uh, thank you very much. But it's called Dud Sordan. That's a that's a Punjabi South Asian drink. So it's a very nostalgic drink. Uh, bright pink. Uh, if you see the the gear, it's that's kind of the color scheme. And really, more than anything, it was uh, I kind of link it back to my buddy Alex Ald, former Vancouver Canucks goaltender. And the Calgary Flames remember him well because Marty Jelena scored on him yep. in, in overtime. <laughs> yes, he did. I know Alex does not like me bringing, <laughs> me bringing that up. But uh, Alex had a segment called Ask Alex Anything. Yep. And a uh, Punjabi listener uh, texted in saying, Alex, have you ever tried Dud Soda, which is a, a drink with milk? In the old country, they put, like, uh, rose syrup in, in here. Now what they do is uh, in Canada is, like, cream soda. So it's mm. kind of like a bright pink. Some people love it. Some people don't. It's like a, it's like a float, basically. Yeah. And I brought in for Alex the next day. He hadn't tried it before, and it just kind of blew up after that. And it's a cool way for me to, you know, go back to my own, obviously, my own personal history, yeah. my own background, but also bring it to folks from all backgrounds, right? So people tag me when they're trying it for the very first time. Uh, we have people of all backgrounds that have, you know, you know, in Australia and in, in Europe and all across North America that have bought a shirt or a hat or whatever. Uh, so it's been cool to just kind of share a little bit of my background with, oh. with everybody out there. Where's the strangest place you've had to ship to? Is it Australia? Is um, it one of those places in Europe you're Australia. That one kind of caught me by surprise. There's Australia and <laughs> New Zealand, which I'm not going to lie. When I started this thing, I was like, hey, it'll be a Canadian thing and a U.S. thing maybe if, yeah. I'm, if we start doing well. And then a couple of orders started coming in from Australia and New Zealand. And uh, I also, you know, I... I did a shipment shipment to india which makes a lot of sense yeah mm-hmm. so that one wasn't really shocking but it's always cool where you know people from 
on the other side of the world are like, wait a second, hey, we want to order something. <laughs> so it's you know it's been received with a lot of love and uh, both by people of the you know members of the Punjabi community, but members of all communities. Oh, it's a super cool look, uh, Randy. Thank you very much uh, for joining us, and uh, you know all the best this upcoming season. We'll we'll have you on, I'm sure, uh, to talk Canuck hockey when the first Flames and Canucks game comes on. Yeah, I can't wait for hockey season, guys. <laughs> uh, the Flames, uh, as they're called in Vancouver, the Calgary Canucks. Oh, <laughs> Trent Cole is now a member too, right? True. Yeah, yeah. It's true. It, it just keeps. It's the stereotype that's self-perpetuating. Hey, well, T- Tyler Tripoli was dealt, so when, one guy is one no longer in the guy. roster. But, no, <laughs> looking forward to it. I know we're in July here, but uh, I can't wait for hockey season, guys. Yeah, no, uh, it'll be uh, here before you know it. Uh, it was Randy Janda joining us uh, here live at Adrenaline Source for Sports. Uh, they're celebrating Hype Fest. Uh, it's Vapor's 25th birthday. They got the Hyperlight 2 Skate and the Hyperlight 2 Stick. Uh, it's super cool, super nice. Uh, come down, check it out. Uh, Adrenaline's open till eight o'clock tonight. Uh, they got uh, prizes and giveaways all weekend long. It's hype fest, and they got a lot of crew members here to help you out. Uh, around the corner, we got a little stamps uh, report with uh, with our own Maddie Rose as the uh, Calgary Stampeders get ready for the Montreal Alouettes this weekend as Week Eight in the CFL gets underway. That's around the corner. As Sportsnet Today continues on Sportsnet 960, the fan. Back to Sportsnet Today on Sportsnet 960, The Fan. Welcome back to Sportsnet Today. Patrick Dumas, Aaron Vickers along with you uh, down at Adrenaline Source for Sports, 9309 McLeod Trail Southwest. They're celebrating Hype Fest this weekend. It's uh, Bauer Vapor's 25th birthday. Uh, they got prizes and giveaways going on all weekend. Uh, come out, check out the, the skates, the sticks. Uh, they got a lot of uh, personnel here on hand to help you out. They're open until 8 o'clock tonight. Of course, they'll be here on the weekend as well. Uh, it's Hype Fest here down at Adrenaline Source for Sports. Uh, we go down that Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline one more time. Uh, to be joined by uh, one half of uh, the big show, Rose and Rose in the morning, uh, Matt Rose. Uh, Matty Rose also does some uh, stamps reporting for us as well. Uh, Matt, how are you this afternoon? Good. And you, pal, how are you? Well, well, you I know, hope. I am doing all right. Uh, Aaron, are you doing all right? I'm doing all right, Maddie. I just want to know if there is a way that we can intro you in that hypes mm-hmm. you to the nth degree, that has you jumping out of your chair and standing up to do the hit oh. like you frequently do each morning. Uh, probably not. Honestly, uh, okay. uh, it's going to be tough to do. Uh, I, I, I had a long nap today, uh, and as a result, things feel like I'm, I'm moving in slow motion. Um, I'm going to see Barbie tonight, so I really don't want to get too high up because then I have to bring it back down. So I think I'm just at a nice, comfortable pace. I'm going to sit on you my couch long... for this hit. Uh, that's fine. You had a long night last night. Obviously, I heard you I heard you broke your stick. Did you? How, how, what happened? Oh. There? Did you figure that all out? Uh I didn't really get it figured out, but yeah, I, oh. uh, twig that I'd had for maybe a year maximum. Um, literally, just went trying to play a puck with my stick in the defensive zone, and Buddy kind of toe picked and fell forward and landed about a foot north of the blade and just snapped it. So um, I'm in the business. Adrenaline would might be the place to be for me today. Well, Maddie, there uh, it's Hype Fest this weekend. Uh, it's I their unveiling heard, yeah. of the of the of the Bauer Hyper Two Lights mm-hmm. uh, stick. Um, it's 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 like amazing. Uh, you should come down and try it out. It's twenty five grams lighter. Twenty, you know, I like a very light twig. That's for sure. The the other one, my backup stick, if you will, 
is like a $50 brick. I got it uh, a sports store I would never buy a hockey stick at, and I absolutely despise it with everything in my being. It's I talked about it before on the morning show. It's like there's certain things that it's like what's really the difference between paying 200 bucks and 100 bucks? And I think a hockey stick is something that you really have to appreciate the difference between low end and high end. It's like when you go on a plane and – you know, you, you fly Meccano or basic all the time, and then eventually you get to ride first class, and you're like, mm-hmm. I can't believe I was living this way. Like, how will I ever go back? And then you go back because it costs significantly more, and you realize that it's not feasible. But you still are upset about the fact that what you had and, and what is now gone was exponentially better than what you currently have. Well, uh, Adrenaline's got this going on all weekend. You should come out and uh, check this stick out in their stick. I might room. try to smuggle one out for them because that Hyperlight 2 stick means quicker plays, faster shots, and more goals coming off your blade. And, Maddie, I know you need help in that scoring department. Oh, boy, do I ever. To a T, that is I. <sighs> well, we'll get you there, Maddie. We'll get you there. Uh, let's talk about shut some down uh, defender. That's what I like to be known as. Yeah, shut Hard down. Hard-nosed blue liner. He's Adam Foot. He's he's not scoring anything. He's yeah. just out here. He's, a... he's doing his defensive duties. That's what you want. Uh, the Stampeders, they're in action uh, this weekend. Uh, out they in sure Europe, are. They, they, they don't play well out in Montreal. Uh, it's their first time out there since 2019. I think I was going through it yesterday for my Stamps report. I think they, they've only won there three times in, since 2013. Uh, just overall, like the team, like we, there's a lot of injuries happening right now. Uh, the Jagger Davis uh, incident, where he's the trade got nixed yesterday because they found a torn meniscus. Just what's the vibe you feel like with the team right now heading into Montreal, uh, two and four? Uh, is this you don't want to say it's a must win, but it's it's getting to the point where you got to get some wins going here. Yeah, I don't know. I I don't really like the term must win. Um, I think it just, it's one of those things that we throw around in sports that to a point has lost meaning. But Mm -hmm. at this point, you can't, like, the thing is, the way the standings are shaking out and the slow start the Stampeders have had, it's not like when you're playing teams out in the East that you can say, oh, this is just a game that doesn't necessarily matter in the standings because the crossover might be extremely relevant this season. So every time that you're playing an Eastern Conference team, you want or an Eastern Division team, you want to make sure that you're going out and getting the victory. And and they didn't. They weren't able to do that against Ottawa. And that's you never know. That could wind up costing them. Uh, and now you have to go up against Montreal and try and figure out a, an Alouettes team who, you know, you've had trouble out in Montreal. The Alouettes have had trouble recently. Lost three straight games going into the bye week here. So. Um, that's going to be the big thing to kind of keep an eye on. What does Montreal look like coming out of the bye? Are they healthier? It sounds like they are going to get some guys back, um, whereas the Stampeders, like you mentioned, uh, could not be more banged up. Yeah, six are going to be out. Uh, that's just from the injury report right now. Seven are listed as questionable. Reggie Bagleton, uh, we did not practice today. Uh, they're listing him as an illness, so he's questionable. Uh, Kadeem Carey, who was limited in the three days, is out. That was kind of maybe expected. But uh, the secondary is really beat up. You know, no Trey Roberson this week. No Natrell Jamerson. No Tay Daly. We'll see what happens with uh, Bailey Devine-Scott and, and Brandon Dozier, who were both listed as questionable. But, uh, Maddie, this the secondary. Uh, we'll see what happens. They got Nick Taylor playing, and they got Brad Muhammad, assuming he's going to play as well. 
Yeah, it's not good right now. I was kind of going through it earlier. Look at their defensive backs and man, if some of these guys aren't able to go and we know that a handful of them aren't, you mentioned the Trail Jamerson and Trey Roberson who are listed as out already after not practicing all week long and Jamerson had a tough game, you know, seeing that shoulder injury pop up on the report. Um, you kind of just, you know, maybe you, you wipe last week's game away. But, you know, it's going to be Kobe Williams. It's going to be Jonathan Moxie. It's going to be Michael Griffin. Uh, it's going to be Titus Wall. And then, like you mentioned, you're probably asking Nick Taylor coming off the injury list and Brad Muhammad coming off the street, essentially, to mm-hmm. come in and help you stop a – an, or pardon me, an offense that, granted, there's been some ups and downs to this offense as a whole, but one of the things that they have shown they can do is stretch the field. The Stampeders are second in the CFL with 13 completions over 30 yards. The Alouettes are right behind him with 12. And Cody Fajardo has shown that when he's throwing the ball downfield, I think he's got three touchdowns to just one interception when he's doing pass attempts over 20 yards or more. That's a good number for Cody Fajardo, a guy who – typically hasn't always been the most secure when throwing the ball, mm-hmm. going back to his time in Saskatchewan. So um, for him to kind of be having a better year, it's going to be a big test for the secondary. But 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 the one place that you can make the game a lot easier for that kind of slap-together secondary is getting after the quarterback. And the Alouettes have allowed a ton of sacks to start the year. Stampeders' defensive line has been getting better. It's another area where they're dealing with injuries right now. But at the same time, if you want to help out your secondary, don't give Cody Fajardo enough time to throw the ball downfield. Matty, a guy that won't be on the Stampeders' injured list and won't be on the roster is Ja'Garrett Davis. How Mm. would you go about describing the, the fiasco that was that trade? That's disappointing. I think these things can kind of pop up every once in a while. Um, you know, it's just one of those things that you kind of look at and, you know, last week listed as a, a healthy scratch. Obviously, something was going on with the knee here. Just another kind of one of those situations where, you know, we get the injury reports and I find that the Stampeders are pretty bang on when they're doing a lot of that type of stuff. But with football, teams will try and get an edge however they think they can. And this might have been a way, maybe not. In the end, comes in for the physical. The Stampeders deem that this is going to be more of an issue than a solution, trying to fix their problem with James Waters, who we don't know when he's going to be back. But you, you look at that and say, yeah, um, he's probably going to – this is going to be something that's frustrating for Dave Dickinson, you know, in his first year as general manager, trying to make trades like this. And you want to make your team better, especially when – there are things out there that aren't working for you. It's just tough when it goes down like this, especially with a guy that, you know, the staff leaders knew what Jagarit Davis, the person, was about and why they wanted to have him in the room. It's just unfortunate to kind of see that this is the way that this situation ended up. It's, um, yeah, unfortunate. That'd be the word. Here's Dave Dickinson on the situation. Our opinion was torn meniscus. I don't want to say too much more on his medical stuff. It was surprising, but obviously we just go with the word our doctor said. We put the language in the trade to do that. Still bummed. I saw Jagarid. I like Jagarid. It's not one of my players, so I'm probably not supposed to talk about him. But he's one of those guys I've always enjoyed being around. Just a lot of wasted time and effort. That quote from Danny Austin at Post Media. Uh, mm-hmm. Your reaction when you hear Dave Dickinson's comments on the situation? Yeah, exactly, right? It's 
exactly that. The last sentence is the one that I think sums it up. A lot of wasted time, a lot of wasted energy. You know, I think about the Montreal Alouettes, who just this week went out and signed Sean Lemon to kind of help with their defensive pass rushing, something that they've struggled at so far this year. And you have to wonder, like, you know, it'll be interesting to see where James Waters ends up as far as injury list and what this injury is that he's dealing with. But the thing there is going to be, like, if they decided that, hey, maybe this is a spot where we can actually throw a little bit more money at our defensive line, let's go and see what Jagarrett Davis is. And, and, you know, Patty had the numbers reported by Three Down Nation on Jagarrett's contract. It was like $135,000. It's yeah. a significant chunk of change to add to your cap. You wonder if a guy like Sean Lemon would have been an option. I, I don't know if... You know, it seems like maybe there was a bit of a souring in the relationship there when Lemon wasn't – he wasn't – they weren't clamoring to bring him back in a way that Sean Lemon maybe felt he should be. And I, I think he's going to go into Montreal and have a lot of success, but you just wonder if there might have been other options for the team that they could have gone after if they had just known out of the gate that there was an injury that Jaguarit was dealing with. Last one I have for you on Davis. Does this feel like Hamilton tried to get one over on Calgary? Because a conspiracy theorist in me would go, he was a healthy scratch, he comes to Calgary, and suddenly he's injured. I, uh, I don't know. It would be very CFLE if it was. <laughs> you really hope that that's not the case, but I also... You never know with these type of things. Like, the thing is, it being Orlando Steinhauer there, like a guy who doesn't necessarily have a reputation just kind of going out and being a little bit greasy when he can be, you know, greasy within the laws of the rules type of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, that's kind of how I look at it. You hope no, but uh, not entirely sure. Uh, Matty, uh, Jake Mayer, uh, he's had uh, two put together two pretty good games uh, offensively, you know, save for the, the two interceptions there against Ottawa. Uh, but, you know, we just saw there, you and I saw there on Sunday, his relationship working with Clark Barnes. How do you think that level can, uh, with the, with Mayer and Barnes, how, how much more do you think they can go and and, and reach a, a higher level here? I know we're asking maybe a little bit about much of Barnes being a rookie and all, but uh, with, with Reggie possibly being out this weekend, uh, how much more uh, will Mayer have to work with Clay, Clark Barnes here? Yeah, it would be something to keep an eye on. Like, Clark has done an exceptional job. He's a guy that I think has come in and, and maybe surprise the coaching staff as far as his ability to be able to do a little bit of everything, play the mm-hmm. slot, play the inside, play the outside. Um, this is the guy who, you know, he, he was picked after Cole Tucker in the draft. He was their first-round pick receiver. And Cole yep. Tucker's had a little bit of a tougher time kind of finding his way with the Stampeders early on in the season. Uh, showed up to camp a little bit late because he was at Vikings minicamp. Hasn't played as much of the Canadian game as some of the other players, like Clark Barnes and now is dealing with a little bit of an injury, too. But for Clark, he's a guy that has shown, we see it in practice all the time, Patty, and he's shown in the mm-hmm. game last week, too, that you don't even have to put a ball perfectly in place for Clark Barnes to go out and get it. He's a guy that can go out and make tough, contested catches. He showed off his speed with that first touchdown against the Ottawa Red Blacks last week. I just think that this is a guy that is going to continue to keep growing. And as they look to get uh, Jalen Philpott back, you know, maybe sometime after Labor Day, after having that surgery back in, in April, then you're starting to look at a really strong contingent of Canadian receivers. And listen, they've had guys go down. It's been a little bit of an unfortunate kind of cycle with some of the bodies. Like Luther Kunavanu missing last week. Obviously, the Achilles injury to Millie Henry is a humongous injury that they've been dealing with. 
Reggie Bagleton has already missed a game and unsure if he's going to be able to go for this one due to illness. But that's kind of the one big thing that you, you keep looking at with this group of receivers is can some of these young guys that they thought were going to be able to come in and, and maybe learn under these veterans, now you've got to learn on the fly. You've been thrown into the fire, and how are they going to react? And so far, everything that Clark Barnes has done has been positive, and you just hope that it can keep moving forward. He's been really strong in the return game as well, and I don't think that can be understated. Both him and Tommy Lee Lewis have really kind of found a little bit of a groove here um, as far as uh, returning both kickoffs and punts. Yeah, uh, we all know uh, how important the third phase of the game here in the CFL is special teams, and uh, Clark Barnes has been an impact there and, uh, of course, in the receiving core as well. Maddie, uh, you got to get yourself a new stick, buddy. Come down to Adrenaline. We'll, 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 we'll save one for you. They're, they're I'll even save rock. you a chair here. You can come join me on the, on the table too. Wow, lucky me. Um, okay. <laughs> Maybe. Well, who, who doesn't Maybe. love working free hours? <laughs> yeah. All right. uh, yeah. That sounds like free work. What are you on? Okay, see you. Bye, guys. <laughs> oh. See you, Patty. Mike dropping out there for Matt Rose. There you go. This is Matt Rose. He joins us down the Atlas Pizza Sports Bar Guest Hotline. Uh, 15-time Consumer Choice Award winner. Uh, you can check them out at uh, 6060 Memorial Drive Northeast. Or uh, give them a call. Uh, 403-248-3344 for pickup or delivery uh yeah it'll be a big one this weekend for the calgary stampeders they're scheduled right after this one uh, it is it is tough they'll welcome toronto here to mcmahon then they go out to bc uh welcome winnipeg in, and then they go out to toronto all that before uh they they welcome the elks for labor day so yeah you might want to think that getting the the full you know the victory this weekend in a place that you have not played well uh and yeah. I, I dave has mentioned this in the week that a lot of the times when they went out to montreal in the past it was uh it's usually it was a day game it was uh it was 11 o'clock start local uh, calgary time one o'clock out there uh it was usually like a thanksgiving game uh and now you know it's an, it's a night game so i think dave credit that it's a sunday it's a night game gives us a little bit more time to to get immaculate immaculate into uh to the montreal situation so we'll see it is a tough place to play uh but that'll be a five o'clock start on sunday and i i do get the the question about is this must win in week eight right? when you head like, into montreal because suddenly two and five coming out of that and you've got toronto twice which is undefeated on the mm-hmm. season at five and oh you've got bc who leads the west division at five and one i mean even Winnipeg's sitting at five and two. Yeah. I mean, and we like know what Winnipeg that, is. That can, that can get away. That can be a season getting away yeah. from you in a hurry if you don't uh, at least go five hundred through that stretch. So starting with Montreal, who mentioned coming out of a bye week, two and three on the season, one hundred and six points for one hundred and eleven again. So they're mm-hmm. pretty pretty squared away on that front. It just seems like three and four. <laughs> Is a lot better than well, two. If I, I mean, thanks, Captain. Obviously, yeah, no, in exactly. And this has been a team that's lost twice in overtime as well. Uh, you flip the script, you're four and two. You win those games against Saskatchewan, then last week at Ottawa, and you're you're thinking totally different. It's there. Uh, Dick Coach Dickinson has explained it throughout the week. He's like, he, they're there. They just got to put a more whole, consistent game together. And I know that's so tough uh, with, when you're dealing with the injuries that they have on that offensive line. And just like uh, Bryce Bell, who came back last week, you were starting to just trying to get the continuity going with that offensive line. And then you see uh, Bryce Bell there uh, listed as questionable. 
Uh, we'll see. We'll see what happens uh, this weekend. Five o'clock start on Sunday as the Stampeders will we'll close out week number eight against the Montreal Alouettes. Uh, the Toronto Blue Jays, they'll begin a three-game set with the Los Angeles Angels tonight. Uh, it'll be Lucas Giolito up against Kevin Gosman. Quite the pitching matchup. Uh, it'll be Giolito making his Angels debut. Uh, Alec Manoa is going to get the start on Saturday and Jose Barrios on Sunday. But when this, the, 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 the team rolls around on uh, for August 1st, uh, the Toronto Blue Jays will welcome back one Hyunjin Ryu to the rotation. Uh, that is the trade deadline day. Obviously, there's been talk of what will Toronto add. Uh, another arm in that bullpen, another arm in the rotation. Uh, they've been talking about a right-handed bat, maybe in that outfield or infield or whatever it is. Uh, but, yeah, the, uh, a series with the Baltimore Orioles. It'll be a massive one. It'll be the first series uh, in a while that the Jays will be played against an American League East opponent. They're 7-20 against an American League this year. And, uh if I if I told you that the Blue Jays had the best record over the last 50 games, would you believe me in the American League? Ooh, that's tough. But if you're tossing it out, I've never known you to lie to me. So I will take that yeah. first. I'll believe you. Okay, I'll go with yeah, that. They are. The Blue Jays are the best team in the American League over the last 50 games. They need to keep that momentum going. They, I'm so curious what they're going to do before the August one deadline, if anything at all. But you ran through it. Like you see, the Angels are not. They're they they they're all in here. Shohei's staying. Uh, Shohei's. That's not gonna, the biggest like, deadline not, move. To really be had is exactly. by not making a move exactly there. and and la has been they were active they went out and they got lucas giolito uh, the white Sox ace uh so are the teams around them what's boston going to do what are the yankees going to do uh i don't think new york's going to be totally active as much as because it's an older team they got maybe they got their best acquisition back today as aaron judge was activated off the il and we know how much of an impact he makes uh, Boston could be a team that maybe does a little bit of both from column A, from column B. They buy, they sell, uh, but they're hyped right now, and, and this whole division is really good. So I'm, I'm fascinated what the Blue Jays will do, be it uh, like uh, going on like Michael Lorenzen from Detroit. Uh, I saw, uh, um, oh, God, I'm drawing a blank now, but I saw a name linked to them from the Oakland Athletics, mm-hmm. uh, uh, one of the infielders there. Uh, we'll, we'll see, but uh, getting Hyunjin Ryu back, I think, that might solve the, the rotational issues. We'll see what happens because they're well. Schneider said that they're going to use a six-man rotation yeah, going forward. So that's like, that is massive. And I thought you know maybe maybe that 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 can tax the bullpen a little bit. It can, uh, and I because they're going to be in the midst here of seventeen and seventeen. So yeah, I understand the mm-hmm. six-man through this. We'll see. They'll probably reevaluate it uh, uh, when they get out of that stretch. What's but. your What's your expectation for Ryu coming back? He's twenty one and twelve with a four oh seven ERA and forty nine starts since signing that four year eighty million dollar contract in twenty twenty. It's been a guy that's been he's shown you a lot of good what he can do. Like uh, his first year here in Toronto it was the pandemic year, mm-hmm. but he was a Cy Young fa- uh, fa- uh, finalist. Uh, it's been kind of a mixed bag since. Uh, you get a little good. I, I trust him. Let's say I trust him more than you say Kikuchi heading into this year, but then you say has turned into uh, a revelation. It seems he's been very good. He's seven and two right now. He's been a, a very a very good piece to this sec, uh, to this rotation. But I think my expectations are just just get, get the innings, eat your eat the innings. You know, get the five innings. We'll see what the velocity's at. Get your just, just be a serviceable guy. Don't be the reason why they lose. Games. Don't tax your bullpen. Exactly. Just, Give quality innings, quality starts when you can. Exactly. Be the guy that pushes it to the next guy and put it, set the table for the next guy. Don't put him in a bad spot. But yeah, that's uh, Hyunjin Ryu activated. He'll be uh, he'll make the start August first against the Baltimore Orioles. Of course, the Jays and Angels will go at uh, 5:07 first pitch out at Rogers Center. It's not an a, it's not a not a TV game you can watch on Sportsnet. It'll be an Apple TV game, so we'll have all the audio 
listening right here on Sports at 960 fan uh, Ben Schulman and uh, Madison Shipman on the call there. Uh, we're down. I'm done here at Adrenaline. You'll have Aaron Vickers here for the final hour of the drive uh, to get you home here. Uh, we're down at Adrenaline Source of Sport. It's Hype Fest this weekend, uh, celebrating the uh, release of the Hyper 2 Light Skate, Hyper Light 2 Skate, and the uh, Hyper Light 2 Stick as well uh come out and check them out they got prizes and giveaways all weekend they're open until eight o'clock it's 9309 mcleod trail southwest who do we got around the program here craig Merce from nhl.com to talk a little columbus blue jackets maybe just maybe a little bit of the conversation will hinge around johnny gaudreau's mm. first season outside of calgary and we've got a familiar voice joining us a little bit later in the hour i won't tease who but i will tease that he's a member of the flames talk family not talking hockey. Ooh. How's that for a teaser? Okay, all right. Just dangling the carrot a little right. bit this just guy, around the corner. I know this guy does a lot of other things other than hockey, so I'm excited. I, I only think he does two things. Okay, well, maybe. Uh, that'll be uh, coming up in the 4 o'clock hour as Sportsnet Today rolls on. You're listening to Sportsnet 960 The Fan.